But I want to talk first Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're in verses 24 through 29. And to kick us off, I want to read a, uh, uh, just a paragraph about a movie. You can let me know if you know what the movie is afterwards. The newspaper baron Charles Foster Kane, one of the richest and most powerful men in America, if not the world, dies. A newspaper man digs into his past, seeking the meaning of his enigmatic last word, rosebud. He finds evidence of a child torn away from his family to serve mammon. Grown into manhood, Charles Foster Kane becomes a newspaper man to indulge his idealism. He marries the niece of the man who will become president of the United States and gradually assumes more and more power while losing more and more of his soul. Cain's money and power does not bring him happiness. As he has lost his youthful idealism, so has the America he is a symbol for. Anybody know the movie? Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Great movie. Great movie. Tragic movie. Sums it up very well. The man... Just a simple kid, if you ever saw the movie, he's playing on his sled. Gets dragged away because the mother becomes filthy rich and he inherits it all. And and in the pursuit of what he thinks is important, he ends up losing out on what really matters. And at the very end, he's a miserable old man surrounded by no one but his junk. In the last scenes of the movie, they show people basically carting away his junk and getting rid of it and giving it away and burning the one thing that he really wanted, Rosebud, his sled. Hope I didn't destroy the movie for the uninitiated. It's been around for about 60 years. Our world calls us to be self-indulgent. Our world calls us to be self-indulgent, to work for our own personal benefit. Money, fame, power. That's what the world says to do. You need to be famous. You need to have money. You need to have power. This is really what the world says is important. God calls us, though, to live differently. God tells us that there are other more important things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God wants us to focus on more than ourselves. Frankly, I think, generally speaking, God tells us, don't think about yourself at all. Instead, focus on God. Focus on his priorities. Focus on how he wants us to live different than the world. And for the focus of this particular section in Colossians chapter 1, what we're going to talk about is the fact that God wants us to labor. And that word labor is very specific. God wants us to labor, to work really, really hard, specifically for the spiritual benefit of other people. God wants us to labor, to work really hard, specifically for the spiritual benefit of others. So let's take a look at this text as we explore this this morning. 
Uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Colossians 1, verse 24. It says, I rejoice in my present sufferings on your behalf. Yes, I am completing in my own flesh what has been lacking in the Messiah's afflictions on behalf of his body, the Messianic community. I became a servant of the good news because God gave me this work to do for your benefit. The work is to make fully known the message from God, the secret hidden for generations, for ages, but now made clear to the people he has set apart for himself. To them God wanted to make known how great among the Gentiles is the glorious richness of this secret. And the secret is this, the Messiah is united with you people, and that rests your hope of glory. We for our part proclaim him, We warn, confront, and teach everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone as having reached the goal, united with the Messiah. It is for this that I toil, striving with all the energy that he stirs up in me so mightily. Now here we have two major points that I want to discuss. And of course, this is on the back page of your announcement sheet. First, in verse 24, he's very clearly stating about the fact that that what is critical for us to understand is we have a responsibility to suffer for the sake of others. Some of you say, I suffer all the time for the sake of others. All right? You're always doing something. You know, I mean, you've got the kids, so you're picking up their socks and you're yelling at them because you're suffering in one sense. Uh, Maybe you're suffering uh, because there are relational connections you have with people and, and you are the enduring one. You endure the difficult relational situation. You suffer because those people have these issues. These individuals in your life that you care about are people with issues and you endure. You have to endure. All right? But I want to put a little bit of a twist on this. It is suffering for the sake of others, but in a spiritual sense. All right? It's it's suffering when you constantly have to tell your kids to pick up after themselves and they've got service in their lives and you have to endure it but it's something else to specifically suffer for the sake of other people for their spiritual benefit do you see the difference there's a real clear point of the suffering and it has to do with spiritual development in other people. Verse 24, he says at the very first part, he says, I rejoice in my present sufferings on your behalf. And what is his current sufferings? He's in prison. <laughs> it says in your notes, Shaul is in prison for telling people about Yeshua. He is in prison. Where is he in prison? Probably Rome. Probably Rome. How come he's in Rome? Well, if you've been reading in our chart, <laughs> our, our uh, reading chart for reading through the Bible in a year, how many of you are using that chart? Anybody? One person. All right. Please raise your hand if you are reading in some regular fashion your biblical text. All right. That's better. At least I'm encouraged. Okay. If you're not reading in any organized manner, go grab a reading chart. Okay. But in the reading chart, we're concluding the book of, of Acts. And uh, at the end of the book of Acts, Shaul finds himself in prison because he's been proclaiming the truth of who Yeshua is to people, and people don't like it. And so they basically make up accusations and get him thrown into prison. All right? Uh, In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, it goes through a long list of all that Paul did. Everything that happened to him, uh, just because he was out there trying to spiritually benefit other people. 
All of his sufferings. Let me read it for you. I mean, some of you have had some service in your life, but try this on for size. This is 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 29. It says, Five times I received 40 lashes less one from the Jews. That means that Shaul, in, in speaking within the Jewish community, got beat by other Jews 39 lashes five times. Anybody had that trouble? Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that is stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. In my many travels, I have been exposed to danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the desert, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. I have toiled and endured hardship, often not had enough sleep, been hungry and thirsty, frequently gone without food, been cold and naked. And besides these external matters, there is the daily pressure of my anxious concern for all the congregations. Who is weak without my sharing his weakness? Who falls into sin without my burning inside? Can you relate to him? Okay, maybe not the shipwreck. I mean, the Jewish community stopped beating us for being bad Jews a long time ago. (laughs) But this last line, where he says that he has the daily pressure of my anxious concern for all the congregations and who is weak without sharing his weakness? Who falls into sin without my burning inside? Who are you spiritually suffering for? Shaul was suffering because he loved these people. And he was willing to endure prison. All right, prison's bad. But you know what? What's worse is the internal concern for the benefit of other people. He suffered for other people. But despite all that, again, the verse begins with, I rejoice. (laughs) You know, he was enduring the situation with a good attitude. He keeps a good attitude despite all the suffering. How many of us easily get into a bad attitude? I do. To be ticked off is human. (laughs) To be annoyed is just plain old terrestrial. But Shaul is enduring all of this, suffering anxiety, suffering real concern for other people. And the result, though, is, is that he rejoices. He rejoices for all this. He rejoices in the suffering and the difficulty because he understands that through it all, God is allowing this because ultimately people will spiritually benefit That's a beautiful thing. Who are you suffering for in regards to their spiritual benefit? Often we we, we suffer very little. I mean, sometimes some of us, um, you know, we're inconvenienced (laughs) for the spiritual benefit of others. But how many of us really suffer today? We don't suffer physically. So what is it that we can suffer in? Mostly... Mostly we can suffer in in the concern, right? The concern. The concern that that an unsaved family member, a spouse or a brother or a close relative or a co-worker, the concern, the the difficulty that it is, the, the, the emotional trauma that it is to know that someone that we truly love 
is far from God. And we should accept that suffering with joy. While at the same time allowing that burden to grow in us. To drive us more and more to our knees. We need to be willing to suffer for the sake of the spiritual benefits of others. Who are you suffering for? What burden are you bearing today because of an individual you care about? Shaul could have done anything. He could have been the chief, uh, uh, you know, the Ganzamacher, the the Avbeit, was it, the, the, the leader of the Sanhedrin. He was brilliant. That would have been possible for Shaul, but God knocked him off a horse and he chose a different life based on what God wanted him to do, which led him to live a life of suffering. Suffering for the spiritual benefit of other people. In verse 25, he goes on and he says, take a look at the text, I became a servant of the good news. So it begins by talking about rejoicing in the sufferings, you know, suffering on, uh, for the sake of, of the spiritual benefit of others. But then in verse 25 and continuing, he's talking about the fact that he is living his life with the objective of proclaiming the good news, the Besorah. Again, for the sake of other people. And there's a couple of points that are made in this text. First of all, in, in verse 25 again, he clarifies that he, he became a servant of this good news because it's something God wanted him to do, because God gave me this work to do. What is the work that God has called you to do? What has he called you to do? You ever thought about that? What is God's calling for your life? Now, there are all kinds of callings that God can give you. This is true. But what is the calling of God on your life? It is not to be happy, to be comfortable. It is not to make a lot of money so you can put money in the bank so you don't have to worry about your financial situation. I mean, that may come as a shock to you, okay? But being comfortable and happy is never God's specific will for your life. Healthy. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Great quote from Prince's Bride. That's true. As Jews, we basically say the same thing. Be healthy. That everybody should be healthy. (laughs) Okay, fine. Except for the fact that, you know what? God doesn't really care if you're healthy or not. He really doesn't. What is God's will for your life? What is God's calling for your life? The most, I mean, the most important calling that he has for every one of us is that we would be all that he wants us to be. That we would desire to be closer and closer to him in relationship. But for Shaul, God had something that he wanted him to do. And in verse 25, it says that Shaul was called to be a servant of the good news. God specifically called him to proclaim this Besorah, this good news. In uh, Matthew chapter 9, I won't read it. Well, me, I'll read it briefly. Matthew chapter 9. Yeshua makes an interesting statement, which is one that I think people like to read, but they don't, want to like to, don't necessarily like to think about too deeply. Yeshua, uh, Yeshua speaks in Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, and he says, 
Yeshua went about all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and weakness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harried and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his Talmudim, The harvest is rich, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers to gather in his harvest. God calls people to be proclaimers of the good news. And you don't have to be a rabbi to do it. You don't have to be a pastor to do it. You don't have to be a shaliach or an evangelist. You should be proclaiming to the people you know the truth who God is and the truth of who Yeshua is. I think to some extent we all have a calling toward that, a responsibility toward that. Shahul, though, was specifically called to proclaim to serve others with his life for their spiritual benefit in regards to this message. And in 26, he says, uh, the secret hidden for generations, for ages, but now made clear to the people he has set apart for himself. To them, God wanted to make known how great among the Gentiles is the glorious richness of this secret. And the secret is this, the Messiah is united with you people. And that rests your hope of glory. You know, this message that uh, Shaul is proclaiming, this very important message, is that all people come into right relationship with God through a Jewish Messiah. I mean, I wish the Jewish community would, like, get a grip on this. I mean, you know, uh, there was this thing George W. Bush spoke someplace uh, at uh, Michigan Jewish Bible Institute's fundraiser. And the Jewish community is all annoyed with it. And I'm thinking, you know, what's bad for the Jews in this? you got an ex-president of the United States getting up in front of... You know, it's a mixed crowd, but it's all a benefit, a financial benefit that ultimately, ultimately will benefit Jewish people. If the Jewish community at large would just finally understand that these Gentiles worship a Jewish Messiah, that they would understand that's good news for the Jews. Now, at the same time, the Christians need to understand that they worship a Jewish Messiah. <laughs> okay? Now, if they would figure that out, then the money would indeed flow into Jerusalem. And they would tell all the Muslims to leave the Jews alone. Ultimately, this will not really turn out the way it should until Yeshua comes back. But the message we proclaim is a Jewish message that is good for all people, Jews and Gentiles together. It is the hope of glory. This is a joyous expectation, this wonderful anticipation that people waited for, that the Messiah has come and brought hope for all people. Gentiles do not need to become Jewish in order to have a right relationship with God. They are who they are. They stand before God as his people, but not Jewish. They are Gentiles, the people of the nations. The end of the book of Revelation, it's a fascinating statement. When everything is said and done, the tree of life is there. And that wonderful river is flowing and the leaves are used for the healing of the nations. God loves diversity and distinction. The Jewish people, we are his people. There's a unique responsibility we have. But God loves everybody and all people, individually and nationally, serve a purpose. The message that Shaul is sharing is good news to all people. That through the Jewish Messiah, there is hope. There is hope in eternity. Forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God. Verse 28, though, he goes on and he says, We for our part proclaim him, Yeshua. We warn, confront, and teach everyone in all wisdom. I love that, the way he talks about that. Shaul, though, in proclaiming, you know, in speaking of the Bessalah, you know, sometimes news is good news and sometimes 
to get to the good news, you've got to get, the, get through the bad news. And so Shaul is not shy about challenging people. How many of you would be where you are at if you didn't have a few people in your life telling you to pick up your pants and to move forward in life? I say that because I'm constantly telling guys, young guys, pick up your pants, tuck in your shirt, you know. How many of you would have never been able to get where you are today if you didn't have somebody pushing you forward, somebody encouraging, somebody saying to you, you have some great things and some not so great things, and I'm going to encourage you in both areas to move forward in life. We need people like that. And not just when it comes to our education, not just when it comes to our hygiene, not just when it comes to our dress. We need people like that in regards to our spiritual growth and development. Shaul begins, he he warns people. You know, there's three words, warn, confront, and teach. So warn. He warned people. He boldly made known the consequences of sin and challenged the people to humble themselves. I had to do this the other day. I was... I hate to do this. I had a confrontational phone call. I didn't mean it to be confrontational, but this other guy did. So I had to respond, and I sent a very carefully worded email pointing out to this individual that there was something in what they said that they need to change in their life. It was a specific confrontation in regards to an area of sin. And you may say, why an email? Just It was a great way sometimes to communicate things. Who do you allow to warn you? Who do you allow to speak into your life? Who do you allow to basically say, you need to stop doing this? Or, you need to start doing this. Who do you allow into your life? Everybody needs a spiritual mentor. Everybody needs a spiritual leader. Everybody needs a spiritual encourager. Who do you allow to warn you? in regards to areas of sin, potential sin, spiritual laziness in your life. Shaul also counseled people. When he uses the word confront, it it really has the understanding of awakenness. Matthew spent his entire high school career being late for class most of the time. What saved him, what saved him, was the fact that almost every day I would wake up and throw him out of bed. It was a method of awakenness. Awakenness. Right? We all have those things in our lives where we need counsel. We need encouragement. There may not be issues of sin. It's just the way we are. Some of us get up easily. I'm one of those people. I get up whether I want to or not. When I need to get up, I get up. I hate it, but I do it. I'm sure that there are several of you like that. Some of us are not so easy at getting up in the morning. We know how to hit that snooze. We don't just have one alarm. We have three alarms. And we have them all figured out so we can snooze it for as long. We need someone who will help us identify things in our lives that we are not naturally gifted at being able to make forward progress on and getting some encouragement and some counsel for forward movement. You know, my, my biggest thing with, when it comes to, uh, especially young people, but anybody in ministry, is we, we have to understand that God has a very high expectation 
Often I see people who want to go into ministry or in ministry as a very low expectation. Um, I don't remember where we were. I don't remember what. Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. All right. A horrible movie. I don't recommend anybody see it. But it's very instructional in regards to the Vietnam War and some of the aspects of training because it did exist. I have a friend of mine, Noel Rabinowitz, who used to be with the Marines, and he was a drill sergeant with the Marines. And, you know, the truth of the matter is is that the military can be a very nasty place. You know, it's almost nice today compared to what it used to be. Okay? They're not allowed to swear at you anymore. I didn't, you know, you, you, you know, some of my friends, the way they talked about when they were in the military, you wondered whether the drill sergeants knew English. But in this movie, it portrays these individuals, these, these guys, who are recruited into the Vietnam War. Drafted is the word. They didn't want to be there. They had to go. They have a choice. And the drill sergeant, I can't remember his name, but the drill sergeant, his job is to make them into soldiers. He had to grow them beyond themselves for their own good. And so he counseled them. He awakened them to the reality of the expectation through the process of boot camp. Um, You know, there's not a spiritual boot camp. There really isn't. There is, but it's not the same as when you go to, you know, uh, the Marines. I was trying to think of... uh, the facility out there in California. But, you know, the truth of the matter is is that there really isn't a spiritual boot camp, and yet there is a spiritual boot camp. God desires to shout, jump, into your life with the expectation that you will say, how high? Does that make sense? God desires. In fact, he really does speak into your life through the Holy Spirit, saying to you, you can do more. But he's not going to make you do more. He may bring things into your life to try and to get you to see his perspective. But he's not going to make you drop and do 25 push-ups. God's not going to do that. I always like to refer to that TV uh, commercial back in the Super Bowl um, where that uh, hiring company... Uh, had that long list of people talking about their expectations for themselves for work. And the one kid says, when I grew up, I want to be in middle management. <laughs> you know, For some of you, spiritually speaking, you're just happy in middle management. You're just happy if you can put in your 38 and a half hours, clock your hours, and walk out the door, and that's your spiritual life. It's mediocre. Shaul, he wants to warn, confront, and teach people to go beyond. Because this is an amazing message. This Besorah is the answer to the world's problems. But you as an individual, and me as an individual, we will never be able to be all that God wants us to be. We will never be able to fulfill God's expectations for our lives if we desire or are satisfied with spiritual mediocrity. Shaul proclaimed a gospel 
but he also proclaimed to the people that were hearing it the expectation for what God wanted for their lives, which is a life lived to the fullest, for them to allow God through Shaul and others to control, to warn, to encourage, to, ta- uh, to teach them to go beyond what they think they can do. Well, we have to wrap this up. Verse 28, at the end it says, as having reached the, uh, it says, so that we may present everyone as having reached the goal. This is the latter part of verse 28. So that we may present everyone as having reached the goal, united with the Messiah. It is for this that I toil, striving with all the energy that stirs up in me so mightily. Here we have Shaul stating very clearly, it is his passionate desire, it is his reason to exist to challenge people to move forward in their relationship with God through this amazing good news. He desired to see each person reach their spiritual potential. The most depressing thing that I get when I go away and I meet people is that I see so many people who are underwhelming in their interest in achieving all that God can do. You know, I get in trouble with people. I will admit it. Some of you might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to challenge people to go beyond their comfort level all the time. <laughs> I look at my life and I think if I could only be more, do more of this or do that, you know, I could go beyond. I could do more. We all need to think like that. But what's sad is when I go away, I find people who literally, rabbis, who are just taking up space. (laughs) Sad. I'd love for Shaul to come back and attend one of these MLRs and actually get in front. I don't know if they'd let him speak, but if they let him speak, because he's not a great speaker. But if he got up and he spoke, I wonder what choice words he'd have for our leaders. I bet he'd have some pretty interesting words to say, challenges to give. Shaul desired to see each person reach their spiritual potential. For each person to reach the goal, united with the Messiah, in good relationship with God. Shaul in verse 9, it says, It is for this that I toil, striving with all the energy. Think about those words, toil. Anybody here work in a sweatshop? (laughs) None of you work in a sweatshop. Even Abe, down at Exelon, does not work in a sweatshop. Or, or Mike over there at the fish joint. Our toiling as we understand it in our employment is not like the toil that our grandparents did. When, when often, you know, whether it was back in Europe or here in America, an average day was a 12-hour day with no benefits, without air conditioning, and it was manual labor. You know, some of what's going on in the, in, in, in the rest of the world, in Bangladesh, in Africa, in, in parts of China still, that's toiling, long hours, repetitive activity, under strenuous difficulties, but enduring to the end for the goal of a paycheck. Are we toiling as followers of Messiah? Are we struggling? Are we, are we intensely exerting ourselves? 
for the goal of the good news of the Besorah in the lives of people. Because when Shaul is doing all this for the spiritual benefit of others, how are you exerting intense energy? How are you exhausting yourself? Not on your job. You have a job? Great. Actually, very good. Work hard. But you're getting remunerated financially, and that's good, and God has given you all that anyway. That's why you should tithe. Okay, but how are you exhausting yourself for the spiritual benefit of other people? How are you burdened for the salvation of your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers? And then what are you doing about it? If people will seek to reach their spiritual potential, they will see God do great things through them. Always wanted to see God do great things. It can be exhausting. But if you're going to get worn out in life, you might as well do it for something that matters. It's good to work. It's good to work. In whatever it is you do, whatever God has given you the opportunity to do. For some of you, you do wonderful things in sciences and math and in business and in massage, which I'm <laughs> what but there's different things that you do and I do. But the real value of life is not just in the exchanging of time for money, the exchanging of our time for resource to live. The real value of our life is in when we will seek to reach our spiritual potential by doing what it is that God wants us to do in the lives of other people. The believing life is a life lived as a slave for the spiritual benefit of others. It's what life is all about. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we shall die. Yeah, well, we're going to die regardless, eventually. But in order to live life the fullest, both now and to be able to, to have a full sense of what it's all about, feed others. Give cold waters to other people. Encourage others to gain rest for themselves, especially spiritual, emotional rest through a relationship with God. Focus on the spiritual benefits of others. And in doing this, you will live a life worth living. So to conclude all this, who do you serve? Who do you serve? Do you serve your aspirations? Don't do it. <laughs> don't serve your aspirations. Don't serve your boss. You know, a lot of people say, I don't want to make my boss ha- unhappy with me, so I don't want to take off Shabbat or something. No, don't serve your boss. Money. Don't serve money. Especially not in our environment. You never know what's going to happen with it. Don't serve money. Do not serve yourself. Instead, serve God. Serve God. Serve him first. And then look to serve others for God. Who do you serve? God is calling us to serve him and his plans to save this world. Are you willing to answer his call? (laughs) Ring, ring. God is trying to get a hold of you. Are you paying attention? The call could simply be 
be a better impact within your family. Make a greater impact in your school. Make an impact among your friends. God could be calling you and probably has been calling you if you haven't been doing it, doing it to sincerely consider. Even you in high school back there could be thinking about what you need to do to impact your friends. I'm picking on them because they're talking back there. It is the impacting of people that God is calling us to do. Are you willing to answer the call? And then last, do you desire to reach the full spiritual potential God has for you? Do you desire to reach the full and complete spiritual potential that God has for you? God will help you if you're willing to set everything else aside and live your life the way God wants you to. (laughs) He will. But the truth of the matter is, whatever you are truly passionate about, whatever you are truly passionate about in this life, will obviously and ultimately be evident in the last words you speak before you die. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the fact that we can live our lives for a reason that goes beyond stuff. We can live lives go that, beyond, that, that go beyond just the accumulation of, of influence in this world, God, but we can live our lives for you. And we can serve you by serving other people. God, I pray that we would take seriously this consideration, that we would think of ways that we can move beyond, move, move farther beyond in terms of our, our influence for you. God, I pray for our community because I feel at times we're really mediocre in this. We're not making the impact that we need to be making. We're busy. We're busy. Everybody's busy. I know that. But God, are we busy doing what you want us to do in terms of making a difference? the lives of people. I pray that you would help us with this. Give us a burden, God. Dial us up. Communicate with us very clearly, God, each and every one of us. And burden us, God, with the souls of our friends, our family, our neighbors, our associates. And we thank you for our Messiah, Yeshua, who gave all so that we might have a relationship with you, God. Help us as well to give all in the pursuit of of the spiritual benefit of others. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.